Fantastic. Okay. Well, uh, uh, we've already mentioned today we begin our topical study of the Holy Spirit. We'll be doing this on Sunday mornings for a while. We'll talk about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Matt just mentioned next week, next week we begin our first uh, of the year uh, small group Bible study for the church-wide. And, and that's through the book of Acts. And we're asking, I want to make sure that, that we just stress, we're asking everyone in the church to do three things during that eight-week Bible. It's an eight-week study through the book of Acts. And we're asking that you please, please, please consider committing to three things. Number one, go through the reading with us every week. Typically, it'll be three or four chapters of the book of Acts every week, uh, so we can get through it in eight weeks. Do the reading, number one. Number two, check out the materials we post online. We've been posting short videos, five-minute or so videos every week, with pulling out some, some key ideas from the text with a couple of important kind of thought questions for you. So go through the material we put online. And number three, and here's the big ask, please, please, please commit to get together with one or more people every week to talk about what you're reading, to talk about what uh, we've posted online, and then basically just to, to check on and encourage and pray for each other. Uh, you, you can do it in person. You can do it virtually. You can join a group that's already meeting. You can start your own and meet anytime you want to. doesn't even have to be with people who are part of this fellowship right now. If you've got relatives or friends somewhere that, that, that would be interested in walking with you through the book of Acts or studying through the book of Acts would benefit from that, do it with them. We're just asking, please, please, please commit to meet every week, starting in a week for the next eight weeks, and go through this study together with someone. And having said all that now, I want to turn our attention to the study we begin today, and therefore to the Scriptures, the Word of God. I may ask you once again, as you're able, would you stand with me, please, and honor the Bible. And we're going to read together, just to get focused and moving, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. I'll read the plain text if you'll join me in reading the highlighted portions. That way we'll walk through the passage together. Matthew 28, beginning at verse 19, then this is what the Bible says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Praise the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Now in September of this past year, the world mourned the loss of Queen Elizabeth II of England. And in the, in the, in the great swirl of media coverage around that event, I came across this particular interview with a longtime personal bodyguard. Check this out. When we were at Balmoral, and the Queen used to go up there in May to Cregoan House and just stay there privately for a weekend. And she would go up at lunchtime for picnics. And very often, it would just be the police officer and Her Majesty. And one of the picnics I went out with her, we had a lovely picnic and a lovely chat. And then we went for a little walk, just the two of us. And normally, on these picnic sites, you, you meet nobody. But there was two hikers coming towards us, and the Queen would always stop and say hello. And it was two Americans on a walking holiday. And it was clear from the moment that we first stopped, they hadn't recognized the Queen, which is fine. And the American gentleman was telling the Queen where he came from, where they were going to next, and where they'd been to in Britain. And I could see it coming, and sure enough, he said to Her Majesty, and where do you live? And she said, well, I live in London, but I've got a holiday home just the other side of the hills. <laughs> and he said, well, how often have you been coming up here? Oh, she said, I've been coming up here ever since I was a little girl, so over 80 years. 
and you could see the clogs thick. And he said, well, if you've been coming up here for 80 years, you must have met the Queen. I and as it. quick as a flash, says, well, I haven't, but Dickie meets her regularly. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy said to me, oh, you've met the Queen, what's she like? And because I was with her a long time and I knew I could pull a leg, I said, oh, she can be very cantankerous at times, <laughs> but she's got a lovely sense of humour. Anyway, the next thing I knew, this guy comes around, puts his arm around my shoulder, and before I could see what was happening, he gets his camera, gives it to the Queen, and says, can you take a picture of the two of us? we swapped places, and I took a picture of them with the Queen, and we never let on, and we waved goodbye, and then Her Majesty said to me, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when he shows those photographs to the friends in America, and hopefully someone tells him who I am. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that story. My favorite part is where the American guy gives his camera to the queen and says, here, take my picture with this guy. He knows, he knows the queen of England. Many people assume they know folk better than they really do. Without a doubt, these hikers, they knew they were in the United Kingdom. They knew the United Kingdom was ruled by Queen Elizabeth II. They knew, they knew she had a castle on the other side of the hill. But they did not recognize the queen herself when she was literally standing right in front of them. And sadly, I find the same is often true when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Reminds me of the time the Apostle Paul was traveling. He runs across this group of folk in Ephesus and he asked them, Hey, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And the Bible says they answered, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, for most Christians today, that's not, it's not quite that bad. But in many cases, I am sad to say, it's not a whole lot better. So over these next several weeks, we're going to take some time to get to know the Holy Spirit better. Uh, and if you know people who could benefit from that, you know people who are asking questions, they're curious about the Holy Spirit, I urge you to invite them to come and join you. Or at least share the messages with them when we post them on our website each week after we're done. But, but take the opportunity to do that. To, I pray you'll be here yourself. I pray you'll invite people who could benefit from learning about the person of the Holy Spirit to come and join you these next multiple weeks. Now, we began this morning by reading a very familiar passage of Scripture from a passage we often refer to as the Great Commission. And Jesus is speaking, and he begins by saying this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And right here, right here in this Great Commission, we are confronted head on with the great mystery of the Holy Trinity. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each holy God in his own right, and yet not three gods, but one God. As a result, we baptize in one name. We baptize in the name. We baptize in the one name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We baptize in the one name of the three persons of the Holy Trinity. The Athanasian Creed puts it this way. We worship God in Trinity and unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence, for the person of the Father is a distinct person, the person of the Son is another, and that of the Holy Spirit is still another. But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one. Their glory equal, their majesty co-eternal. And a little later it says this, Thus the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Yet there are not three gods. There is but one God. 
Now, how that works its way out precisely, I have absolutely no idea. There is nothing else like this in all the created universe. But that should not surprise you since you worship a God who is before and beyond the created universe. There are those who say they struggle with or they reject the idea of the Trinity because it doesn't make sense to them and it defies the laws of logic. But those who say that miss the point entirely. The point being that we're talking about God. We're talking about God who is uh, bigger than your ability to make sense of things. We're talking about the God who is greater than the laws of logic. This uh, This week's epistle lesson reminds us the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. But I bring all of that up this morning in, order, in, in this introduction to the Holy Spirit, our Holy Spirit study. I bring all of that up to make one simple, crucial point. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God, the Holy Spirit, third person of the Holy Trinity. So that, listen, when you give your life to God in Christ, when you surrender control of your life to God through the Lord Jesus, you are surrendering control of your life to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. You yield your life to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You enter into new life in His name. The name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all of that means quite simply that the Holy Spirit is a big deal. And it matters that you know him and follow him well. Years ago, I was teaching on the Holy Spirit to a group of LCMS Lutheran pastors. And I opened my remarks to them by saying, I fear that many of you, probably unwittingly, are teaching your congregations to worship in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Bible. And and I am sad to tell you, I honestly believe a few of them considered that a compliment. After all, the Bible is the written Word of God. It is our final authoritative arbiter for what's true. The Bible is God's book, but it is, in the end, a book. The Holy Spirit is God himself. The Holy Spirit is, in fact, the author of the book. The one who gave us the book in the first place. And he gave it to us so we would know him better, love him better, and serve and follow him better. We love and esteem the Bible. I love the Bible. We love and we esteem the Bible. But we love and worship and serve God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Many confessing Christians today are sorely lacking in their knowledge and experience and appreciation for the person of the Holy Spirit. That reality a number of years ago led Francis Chan to write a book on the Holy Spirit, which he called Forgotten God, Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. It's a pretty good primer on the subject. Pastor Matt's already mentioned it to you. We've got a handful of copies available for you out there. Uh, I think it costs us about 16 bucks a copy. Whatever you uh, are are able 
uh, to pay. If you can't pay anything, but you really want the book, you believe you'll read it, then take it with you. The, we, whatever's left, there's some of them out there in the, uh, in the entryway in, in the foyer. But what I find striking, don't you, is the title of the book. Forgotten God. Reversing our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. And so I have to ask, how could it be? How could it be that the very people of God could ever forget him or neglect him? How is it that God, the Holy Spirit, has come to be so often overlooked, even by his own people? Now, make no mistake about it. The Bible is clear. It reveals that the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus himself says in John 4, 24, uh, God is spirit. The Apostle Paul writes plainly in 1 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Verse 17, he says this, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In Acts chapter 5, Luke records a story for us, an, an event that happened in the early days of the church. There was a couple, Ananias and Sapphira. And, and they had a piece of property. They sold the property. They kept part of the money for themselves, gave part of the money to the church, but they told the church they gave everything. And, and I guess they wanted, I don't know, the IRS, I don't know what it's all about there, but um, uh, they wanted a tax credit. I don't know what's going on there. But they lied about the level of their generosity. And so Peter in, 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 uh, confronts them about it. Listen to what the Bible says. Uh, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. And what if you caught that? In verse 3, Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. In verse 4, he reiterates, you have lied to God. Contrary to what many people imagine, the Holy Spirit is not anything at all like the force in Star Wars. He's not some cosmic energy. He's not some, some divine uh, ethereal power. The Holy Spirit is God himself, God the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not, but as God, the Holy Spirit is active, participatory in everything God does. He is a central and integral part of the outworking of the will and the purposes of the plan of God in the world and outside the world. He's introduced to us first in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the God who created the heavens and the earth is the only true God, the one true God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is introduced in his own unique person in the second verse of the Bible, where we read the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so we're told immediately, as soon as you open the Bible, at right out of the get-go, verse 1 and verse 2, you're told immediately that the Holy Spirit was right there, present, active, busy, working in the creation of the world. Bringing the world into existence. You don't find out that that's true of Jesus until John chapter 1. You find that out about the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1 verse 2. The Holy Spirit is God. He was God working to bring the world into being. He is God bringing people into being. As Elihu says in the book of Job, the spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. The Holy Spirit is God at work in creation. He's God at work bringing life into the world. He is God at work in your salvation. You cannot be saved apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. 
we, we, we rightly associate the Lord Jesus Christ with our salvation, too often we neglect the role of the Holy Spirit in our salvation. But the Bible says you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. He's got at work in creation. He's got at work bringing life to the world. He's got at work saving people and giving them new life in Him. And if you are a follower of Jesus, He's got at work inside of you right now, changing you, leading you, empowering you. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you, Paul writes to the Corinthians? Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, Paul writes to the Romans. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, Jesus says to his followers in Acts chapter 1. And all of that means, all of that means that without the work of the Holy Spirit, nothing in this universe would exist. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, this world would not exist. He was present and active in creation. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, you yourself would not exist because it is the Spirit of God who gives us life. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, you could never be saved. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, you could never live the life with God and for God. You are designed and created and saved to live. The Holy Spirit is God, accomplishing actively the work of God. And if you haven't noticed, he is all over the Bible. And I, and I say if you haven't noticed, because I'm going to be honest with you, my experience is most people haven't noticed. Most, most people haven't noticed. So I've got an exercise for you. I want to encourage you from now on, if you're willing to do it just as an exercise, whenever you read your Bible, I want to encourage you to get a blue highlighter and keep it with you. And whenever you're reading the Bible, every time there is a reference to the Holy Spirit, I just want you to mark it in blue. Just highlight it in blue. I believe in a short period of time you're going to be stunned. How, 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 present, how much the Bible records his presence, his activity, his work that you've just kind of read right through and missed. I'll give you an example. Many Christians I know love Romans chapter 8. They love the encouragement. They love the comfort that comes in Romans chapter 8. Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit is mentioned directly by name 14 times in the first 16 verses of Romans chapter 8. And I wonder how much, you know, you read Romans chapter 8, you, you know, uh, um, uh, you, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. You, you know, for the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. Absolutely, that's absolutely true. But did you catch the Holy Spirit in there as well, working these things, leading you, guiding you, changing you, saving you, affecting your mind and your thinking? Keep a blue highlighter handy when you read your Bible and see, uh, see what happens when you do that. So listen, the Holy Spirit is God. Without him and his activity, nothing that matters would exist, and he's all over the Bible. So I have to ask again, how can it be that even in the church, he's so often ignored and so little talked about? How can it be that there is so much confusion, and can I be honest, so much fear related to him and his activity in the world? How can it be that in writing a book on the Holy Spirit, Francis Chan felt moved to call it Forgotten God. How can that be? Again, over the next several weeks, we're going to take a, a, a really good look at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer, my prayer is that throughout this time, 
you will mightily, mightily grow in your love for the Holy Spirit, your experience and appreciation of Him, and your fellowship and communion with Him. That He will become more and more in your life the helper, the, the, the comforter, the counselor that He came to be for you. I want to close this introduction this morning, however, uh, just very quickly giving one major reason the Holy Spirit is so overlooked. And I share this because you need to keep it in mind. If you really want to know the Holy Spirit better, if you want to want to grow to know the Holy Spirit better, listen, listen, bottom line, you're going to have to pay attention. And here's the reason. Because it is a simple truth that it is very often simply his nature to stay in the background. Listen to these words from Jesus in uh, John chapter 3. Uh, my uh, slide changer stopped working. Can you change that for me there? Fantastic. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. If we can change that. Um, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Three times in four verses. Three times in four verses, Jesus himself reveals the Holy Spirit to be the principal agent, agent of our salvation. And, and yet we so often, again, I mentioned earlier, we so often associate the Lord Jesus with our salvation, not so often associating the Holy Spirit with that. People will talk about the need to be born again. I hear it all the time. I rarely hear someone talk about the need to be born of the Spirit, which is an equally biblical phrase in this passage of Scripture. Why is it? How does he just get missed in all of this? How does he get so often ignored in all this process? Part of it is in that aside Jesus gives you at the end of this passage where he talks about how you can't see the wind. You just see what it does. You see its effects. You see its impact. The work of the Holy Spirit is very much like that. You see the things he does. You see the impact he has. You see the effect he brings. But you never see the agent behind it. By his very nature, he is unseen in his working. Which tragically, too often makes him unnoticed in his working. As the followers of God, worshipers of God, we need to notice. So we can say thank you. That wasn't just cool. That was the Holy Spirit. That wasn't just a neat idea. That was a word of wisdom from the Spirit of God. That we, but if we're not looking for him, attentive, he will often function out of the limelight. And if we're not careful, we will miss him. The Holy Spirit is God. As God, he is eternal, immeasurable, almighty, and all-glorious, just like God the Father, just like God the Son. Yet his work is his own work. It's indispensable to the outworking of the plan of God, but it is often accomplished with little attention drawn to himself. If you're not careful, you will miss him. And so we want to look, particularly, by the way, if we look for the splashy. Remember, we'll talk later on about the story of you know, the prophet who's there, and there's a fire, and there's a wind, and there's an earthquake, and none of them. The Lord was in none of them. But in a still, small voice, a quiet whisper, the Lord came and spoke to him. We need to look. We need to listen. We need to commit 
Holy Spirit, you are God. Holy Spirit, you are there. Holy Spirit, you are at work. Help me recognize you in that work. Help me join you in that work. Help me follow you in that work. Help me love you and bless you in your work. So as we embark on this journey together, I pray that you will leave here this morning with a rock-solid conviction that the Holy Spirit is God, with a greater appreciation for what He is and has done in the world and is continuing to do in the world and in your life, and with a mounting desire to know Him better. Because I believe He wants you to know Him better. Uh, throughout the course of this series, after the service is over, I'll be down here if you have questions. If you want to talk, you want to argue with me, tell me I'm crazy. I will be here for that uh, throughout the course of this series uh, uh, if there are any questions. But right now, let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, as always, for the power and the clarity of your word. Lord, your word that shows us who you are, your word that shows us how you are, your word that shows us who we are, who we were called and created and saved to be. Holy Spirit, we love you. We acknowledge you as who the Bible says you are. You are God, the Holy Spirit. And we acknowledge too often, I fear, we miss you as you work quietly around us. Open our eyes more fully to you and your presence and your work among us. Open our ears more fully to your voice and your instruction and your quickening around us. Open our spirits to allow you to flow more perfectly through us bearing fruit and sharing gifts. Make us more and more, better and better at following you, Holy Spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.